Welcome to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. This is Brian Kletter, the creator and host of the podcast. You can engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought or at Counterthought CEO and on our Facebook page, Counterthought Podcast. For audio versions of the podcast, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. And for video versions of the podcast, join us on YouTube at the Counterthought channel. Let's go. It has been 40 days since Hamas's attack on Israel. And in those 40 days, a lot has been revealed not only about the United States, but also about other countries around the world. The United States is not the only country that has seen a rise in anti-Semitism. This past weekend in Washington, D.C., there was finally a march for Israel called March for Israel. But what is this rise in anti-Semitism actually telling us? Welcome to Counterthought. This is episode 100. I felt like I should mention it because a lot of people consider that a milestone, whether it comes to your age or maybe the number of days you have been pursuing a goal, or in this case, the number of episodes for a podcast. So right off the top, thank you to all of you who have been listening and watching, whether you go all the way back to two and a half years ago in May of 2021 when the podcast began, or you're the first time viewer watching or listening to this episode. So thank you for all of your support. It has been 40 days since Hamas's attack on Israel. I've dedicated at least three podcast episodes, my most recent episodes, to discussing not only the attack itself, but also what we can glean from the attack. I've stated in those episodes that the masks have been revealed or removed to reveal people's true character. People wear a mask, why? They they wear a mask to hide their identity. And even to this day, amongst these protests, or among the protesters of these protests against Israel, against Jews, these individuals who are protesting Israel and Jews are still wearing masks. You could do a side-by-side -side comparison of the summer of 2020 with everyone masked up and these protesters, and you wouldn't see any difference. There are people in the streets in 2020 for George Floyd, and then there are people in the streets for these protests who say they are pro-Palestine, but if you listen closely to the words that are saying they are anti-Israel, they are anti-Jew, they are pro-Hamas. So while the protesters, and a lot of them, shield and hide their true identity because they know that there would be consequences or could be consequences for having their face to be visible at these protests. I want to talk about in this episode, the true rise in anti-Semitism, not only in the United States of America, but also around the world. The United States of America is not the only country who is dealing with the Hamas attack on Israel. Again, it's been 40 days and being here in the United States, a lot of the news focuses on the United States. But if you go across the pond over to Europe, whether you are in the United Kingdom or the main body of Europe, if you're in France or Germany or Austria or Switzerland or Hungary, there have been just as many, if not more, protests against Israel, against Israel, against Jews that are pro-Hamas, disguised as pro-Palestine. 
But before we talk about those protests, I want to focus on a protest that occurred this past weekend in the United States, in Washington, D.C. It's called the March for Israel. Originally, the the um, people who put on the protests, they thought that there was only going to be about maybe 60, 70, 80,000 people. The organizers, there's the word. The organizers of the protest thought there would only be about maybe 60, 70, 80,000 people. Well, reports are that the turnout was actually around 290,000 people showed up for the March for Israel in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday. On Tuesday. Not only that, it was 290,000 plus a live stream. So if you could not be at the protest or at the march, sorry, if you could not be at the March for Israel, then you could watch it live. And there were numerous individuals who spoke. A lot of congressmen spoke, pastors, um, rabbis, they all spoke. You know, you see this a lot when it comes to these types of protests, a well-organized, or not protest, but a march. You see this a lot when it comes to these marches. There is a stage set off somewhere to the side or somewhere you know, where everyone can gather around and listen to the speakers. Listen to those who are in support of the cause of why they are there. And the organizers, it was organized by the Conference of Presidents for American Major American Jewish Organizations and the Jewish Federations of North America. And the stated purpose of this march was to quote, an opportunity for all Americans to come together in solidarity with the people of Israel, to demonstrate our commitment to America's most important ally in the Middle East, to condemn the rising trend of anti-Semitic violence and harassment, and to demand that every hostage be immediately and safely released. So this march, again, the expected turnout was maybe 70 to 80,000 people, turned out about four times as many, with estimates being around 290,000 people. On Tuesday of this week. Now, just a week prior, on November 4th, there was a march, a protest in Israel, but of the exact opposite. Thousands also gathered in Washington, D.C. on November 4th, but it was pro-Palestinian demonstrators, or quote-unquote pro-Palestinian. And I talked about that in the last episode where those protesters, they marched over to the White House outside the fence, vandalized the fence, left red handprints, you know, as if blood is on the hands of Joe Biden and his administration. But, you know, there weren't any arrests made for about four days after that. Maybe there were about two or three arrests that have been made through that whole encounter. But we're not going to go... We're not going to go down that path. We're going to stay focused for this episode, even though some might call that be insurrectiony. But anyway, the finally, there was a march, the March for Israel in Washington, D.C., some formal support. Now, the Biden administration, as I've said, has been good, pretty good in their support for Israel. But that has not slowed down any of the radicals or the progressives within his party especially a whole bunch of Gen Zers that are wanting Biden to stop. You know, you hear calls for ceasefire, ceasefire. Well, if there was a true ceasefire, 
Hamas would then start firing immediately back at Israel. And let me remind you that while all of this is occurring, there is currently the war is actually taking place over there in the Gaza Strip. Israel has started their, their ground offensive and has made significant gains overtaking key points, key military points of Hamas and actually seizing their weapons and killing their terrorists and some of their leaders to understand how their tunnel system is working and where uh, artillery and everything is being stored. Like the recent video that came out uh, earlier this week was rockets inside of a hospital, a room for where hostages were, a room for where not only like adult hostages, but infants, babies, because diapers were found there. And then there was a screen, a sheet, and a chair for those who are for those hostages who have to be recorded, you know, and make their plea and also in their plea show support for Hamas. But outside of the march for Israel in Washington, there have been international marches. There have been international marches. There have been marches in France. France has the largest Jewish population in Europe. More than 180,000 people in this march across France. So there were about 100,000 people in Paris. And then, you know, the rest of the other 80,000 people just around the various cities and areas of, of France. But in total, 180,000 people peacefully marched on Sunday, on Sunday the 12th, to protest against the rise of anti-Semitism the rise of anti-Semitism. Again, this is not only occurring in the United States. This is occurring across the world. And not only just in Europe. But as I'll mention here in a minute, Australia. Anti-Semitism in Australia. The French authorities, they registered more than 1,000 acts against Jews in their country. 1,000 acts against Jews in the country of France. And they have restricted in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and Hungary, there have been restrictions put in place for pro-Palestine protests. Like they don't even let them happen. They don't even let them happen. It is said for Germany, you know, they're trying to right the wrongs that occurred with, with the Holocaust. And then, you know, where Germany's location in relation to Austria, Switzerland, and Hungary, they're all right there next to each other. So those four countries have actually put restrictions to not even allow pro-Palestine protests because of the rise in anti-Semitism and what it and what it truly means, despite the name. But this rise in anti-Semitism, the Anti-Defamation League, has recorded 312 acts of anti-Semitism in the United States through the third week of October, October 23rd. And out of those 312, 190 were directly linked to the Israel-Hamas war. So that's about 120 over the previous, the prior 10 months. So about 12 per month attacks against Jews in the United States. But in the 40 days since the Hamas attack on Israel, there have been 190 acts of anti-Semitism in the United States. 190 in 40 days. You know, you can, you can do the quick math on that. That's about five. That's four and a half, roughly four and a half to five acts per day. There's also, according to the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, a 
25% increase in harassment, vandalism, or assault compared to the same time period a year ago in 2022. Now, you might be wondering, where in the world is all this anti-Semitism coming from? Because I said earlier in the episode, there are a lot of people, especially Gen Zers, who are ignorant, who are sheep, who think this is the thing that they're supposed to do. TikTok. It has been well documented that TikTok is pushing anti-Israel, anti-Jew, pro-Palestine, pro-Hamas content on its app, which has hundreds of millions of users per day. And it's focused, this content is focused on the younger generation, on Gen Z. So the groups behind these rallies, these anti-Israel rallies are Students for Justice in Palestine, Palestinian Youth Movement, the U.S. Palestinian Community Network, Within Our Lifetime United for Palestine, the Jewish Voice for Peace, If Not Now, and the Party for Socialism and Liberation. That's roughly about six groups that are behind these anti-Israel protests. And they have different uh, chapters all around the United States. All around the United States. And as we have seen through various protests and marches over the past few years, a lot of those individuals are young, you know, late teens, early 20s. You might get a 30-year-old in there, but typically that 10-year range from 18 to 28. 18 to 28. And these groups know exactly what that means when they can get when they can get those people those young adults, those young career people. Because as we've also talked about recently, these kids, as it was revealed in the in the in what is going on at the American universities, are being taught this stuff, indoctrinated with these ideas in college and probably before. Probably before. But each of these groups that I named, they they express inflammatory rhetoric about Israel and Zionism. In Washington, D.C., there have been thousands of pro-Palestine demonstrators, as I just mentioned, on November 4th. They continue to hang out there. I know someone who lives in Washington, D.C. and just wanted to get out of Washington, D.C. for the weekend because of these protesters, these demonstrators. They just don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy it. They don't enjoy the noise. They don't enjoy the possibility that there could be something happening. They don't want to be walking around the street and get caught up in something, an altercation of sorts. You know, they don't want to be uh, attacked just walking down the street. So they left town. They left town. London. London had Armistice Day, which is the same day, November 11th, as our Veterans Day. Armistice Day goes back to World War I. And about 300,000 to 800,000 people were calling, were marching, were demonstrating in London, calling for a ceasefire. That's what they said. But if you've watched any videos of, of this large protest, this large demonstration, again, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people in London this past weekend, you start to look at some of these videos and it doesn't quite look like calls for a ceasefire. It looks more like a mob. In certain parts of the demonstration, There were mob protesters 
there's a video of this hundreds or thousands of of these mobs mob protesters chasing down and following a london official down the street yelling and screaming at this london official for their take their views their stance on the israel hamas war chanting and running after them down the street and even in australia again this is not confined the rise in anti-Semitism is not confined to the United States or to Europe. In Australia, so we're talking going all the way on the other ha- other side of the globe. Melbourne and Sydney, Australia had large pro-Palestinian protests. Melbourne and Sydney, some of the largest cities in Australia. So much so that there had to be an evacuation of a synagogue. A synagogue had to be evacuated because of threats against Israel and Jews in Australia. In Australia, which we're talking about thousands and thousands of miles from where this is occurring in the Middle East. And then American universities. I have an entire episode about what is happening or what has happened, what has occurred in American universities. The episode that I created about two or three episodes ago was about whether or not students that are part of groups in at Harvard should be expelled from school for supporting, for being anti-Israel and supporting Hamas. Go back and listen to the episode. I'll actually link it at the end of this episode. If you watch this on YouTube, then you can find in the end card at the very end of the episode there will be a link to to that episode. I think it was around episode 90, 98, 97. But American universities, there are many of them. There's Dartmouth, Columbia, Harvard, Brandeis, and the University of Florida, my alma mater. My alma mater this past week, they had to, uh, well, this. so there's a teaching assistant, a grad assistant who is a teaching assistant committed vandalism on a sign on the Jewish fraternity on campus at the University of Florida. Now, the police say, you know, like, hey, you can freedom of speech and stuff, right? Like you can, you have your right to protest and all that, but vandalism is not a right. So he was arrested. He's facing, I believe it is two misdemeanor counts. He'll have his day in court. But what could ultimately happen is he'll lose that, that teacher assistantship and potentially be banned from the school for three years. For three years. We have, or there are many donors, billions upon billions of dollars in total that are being pulled from these large universities, from these Ivy League schools, from these expensive higher education. And I'm glad to see that. You know, we are well familiar with the phrase, put your money where your mouth is. And that is what these people are doing in defense of Israel. I still don't quite understand. I mean, the Democrat party as a whole, I guess, at least the, you know, those in Congress. So the representatives and the senators are doing a pretty good job standing with Israel. But a lot of these a lot of these Ivy League schools, those who go on to be very wealthy, disproportionately wealthy based on the amount of the population of, of Jews in this country, 
so many uh, graduates, alumni of these universities are Jewish and they donate back to the school. We're talking billions upon billions of dollars of these endowments for these universities. And finally, finally money is being threatened or already is happening of being removed and those donations are being pulled saying president of Harvard, president of Dartmouth, president of Yale, Columbia, you need to get your school in order before you see another dime coming from my pocket. You need to get control of what is happening on your campus. There is a, a mind virus going on that has been occurring for years on your campuses. And you're not going to get this annual $25 million check that I write to you until you get it corrected. And I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see that. And as I said in the episode about these universities and about these college students, Bill Ackman was the focus of that one when it comes to donors uh, to Harvard. I said that the kids should not be expelled. I mean, unless they, they break a code of conduct rule, kind of something like that. But it should be the groups that should be removed, the societies, the little associations on campus that should be removed from the school for signing that letter in Harvard's case of those 33 student organizations signing the letter in support of Hamas's attack. So finally, with the March for Israel, the money being pulled from these universities in the United States, millions, billions of dollars in donations right being pulled, we are finally seeing a counterpunch to the anti-Semitism that has been so prevalent and increasing in the first 40 days of this war. The first 40 days since the attack by Hamas on Israel. And I hope this continues, the pushback against the anti-Semitism. There needs to be a continued pushback on this anti-Semitism. The evil needs to be rooted out in this country and in other countries. So I'm happy to see what is going on. There is more that the United States of America can be doing. There are other levers that can be pulled to fight against this rise in anti-Semitism, which again has increased 300% since Hamas's attack on Israel, according to the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL. And these groups, those six or seven groups that are rattled off that are behind the anti-Israel protests and demonstrations, they also need to be continue to be exposed and rooted out. The masks have been pulled off. We have discovered this, this mind virus, this disease that is in our country and in other countries around the world. True anti-Semitic nonsense, whether it be ignorance or truly hate, but it has finally been revealed and there are more things that can be done to fight against it. The March for Israel in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday was a great start. Pulling money from universities is a great start. Identifying the organizations behind the anti-Israel demonstrations and protests is a great start. But there is more that we can continue to do as we stand beside Israel, stand beside the Jewish people, and call for an end to the evil, not only in the Middle East, but also here in the United States of America and around the world. Thank you for listening to Counterthought, a podcast conserving America's freedom, culture, and values. Remember to subscribe 
and like or rate the podcast on your podcast app or on YouTube and engage with the podcast on Instagram at counter underscore thought at counter thought CEO or on Facebook at counter thought podcast.